0: I'm your blind spot, and my job is easy. Hide big things, and I'm really good at my job. In fact, I'm blind spot of the month. You're good. And if you named your own price on car insurance, you could be paying for this yourself. So get Allstate. You can save money and be better protected from mayhem. Like me. All right, blind spots. How many of you have ever been in an accident because of a blind spot. Be honest, Just it's okay, right? Three people, come on, oh my goodness, okay, all right, all right. Not exactly the best way to start a message, right? Not exactly a, a pleasant memory, but anyways, everyone, I wanna welcome you to New Story Church. My name is Tom, I'm one of the pastors here. And today, as you just heard, we are kicking off a brand new series called Blind Spots. This is a series where it's going to help us actually overcome many of the greatest hazards, many of the greatest dangers that we don't see, right? That everyone uh, experiences, but no one actually expects, right? And did you know that um, accidents, blind spot accidents, uh, account for more than a million insurance claims a year? Did you know that? That's actually a fact, right? Uh, They account for more than a million insurance claims a year. As a matter of fact... Many of your cars are probably equipped with some of the latest technology, right, that has a safety feature that shows you where your blind spots are, right? Raise your hand if you have one of those cars. I don't have one of those cars, but I've seen your cars. They're very fancy, and I know that you have those things, okay? it's okay. There's no shame in that. See, things in our blind spot, if we're not careful, can totally wreck us. We find ourselves in accidents. And the same is true in life as well. We all have blind spots of things like greed and lust and arrogance that if we're not careful can completely wreck us as well. And so today we're talking about blind spots. In fact, our friend, uh, Pastor Kerry Newhoff wrote this incredible book. You've heard me kind of share a little bit about it. It's called Didn't See It Coming right? Overcoming the seven greatest challenges that no one expects and everyone experiences. And I'll have you know, uh, it's actually really interesting. This book has already, it's only been out for a couple months, and it's already made its way to number one uh, on Amazon in terms of in the sections Christian Living, as well as Christian Leadership, as well as religious studies, and I just checked yesterday, it's actually the number 10 best-selling book in the business and professional growth section of Amazon as well. So it's just a a great bestseller, and all this to say, it's proved to be a tremendous resource for this particular series because it highlights some of life's biggest blinding spots, including the one that we're focusing on today, which is cynicism how many of you be honest this is church i'm a pastor this is sunday this is confession time how many of you are a little bit cynical go ahead and raise your look around keep them up keep them up, keep them up. okay all right all right someone i saw you you put it down really fast when i said <laughs> how many of you that didn't raise your hand think that was a really stupid question and why am i even here in the first place right raise your hand right uh, at least you're not cynical. Okay. <laughs> all right. Don't worry. Don't worry. Okay. There's no judgment. I was actually, many of you know this. I was actually born and raised in New Jersey. Okay. So cynicism is a native language for me. Okay. It's my, it's my native tongue. All right. But just so that we're all on the same page, uh, here's the definition. Here's the working definition that we're going to use for cynicism. When I say cynicism, what I'm talking about is this. It's any indication to believe that people are motivated by self-interest. You know what I'm saying? It's like when someone says something to you, or maybe they're nice to you, or they share something, you're like, what's in it for you? Why are you doing this right now, right? It's like that kind of attitude, right? It's a lot of skepticism, right? It's synonymous with words like doubt, distrust, suspicion, pessimism, negativity, basically all the warm and fuzzy things of life, right? And so let's face it, just to be honest, most of us, many of us, we're cynical, right? We're cynical. Uh, But here's, here's the good news. We're actually not alone. We're actually not alone. In fact, throughout scriptures, right, God's people are often called out for their cynicism with phrases like stiff-necked. You stiff-necked people, stiff-neck, just imagine a stiff neck, you stiff-necked people, right? cold-hearted, heart of stone, right? Hardened hearts, right? The Bible talks about these people all the time. As a matter of fact, listen to what God says through his prophet Jeremiah, one of my favorite Old Testament prophets. He says this, since the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt until today, in other words, since the day that you came out of slavery, since the moment I brought you out of captivity, until this day, until right now, he continues, I have sent you all my servants, all my prophets. I sent them all to you, yet they did not listen to me or incline their ear. But what did they do? What did they do? They stiffened their neck. Okay? They're stiffen their neck. i not going to punch. I don't believe you like you stiffen my neck right they stiffen their neck and then and then what did they do they did more evil think about this they stiffened their neck and then they did more evil than the generation before them who was in slavery they became cynical and they did more evil than their fathers. You know, later on in the New Testament, Jesus, he actually questions some of his cynical followers in this way. He says, This, Do you still not see or understand? Well, what's he say next? What's he say? Are your hearts hardened? Do you still not not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? It's like when I'm talking to my girls. Girls, do you have eyes and not see? Do you have ears and not hear? I'm talking here, right? Do you still not understand? Do you know that when you have a cynical heart, you can't understand the will of God for your life? Did you know that? When your heart is hardened, you understand less and less of God's will for your life. I love the way Proverbs, the Old Testament book of wisdom, says it very plainly. It says this, he who, what? He who hardens his heart will fall into what? Calamity. If you harden your heart, the book of wisdom says, you will fall, eh? leads to B. If you harden your heart, A, B, you will fall into what? Hardship, calamity, turmoil. That's a promise. See, friends, the more cynical you are, think about it. Of all the passages we read, what we understand is this. The more cynical you are, the more prone to doing evil you will become the less things of God you will understand, and the more you will fall into calamity. I see some of you jotting down notes. That's great. Great. Keep on jotting. I'll say it one more time. Okay. Those of you jotting notes, the more cynical you become, you're more likely to do evil. You're going to be more confused about God's will for your life And you will experience more hardships. These are just some of the few spoils from cynicism that we see over and over again throughout God's word. Which is why I love the way Carrie's book identifies three things that happens to the human heart when it becomes cynical. So go ahead and you can jot this down in your notes there. We've got space for you in the programs, right? Go ahead and jot these down uh, for your friend, right? Not not for you, but for your friend, okay? Just you want to pass it on maybe to your spouse, okay? All right, so jot these down. We're going to call these uh, the three signs that you may be cynical, three signs that you may be jaded, three signs that you may have a hardened heart. That's what we're going to talk about right now, okay? And the first sign is this. Oh, I love this one. Uh, The first sign that you may uh, be cynical is you know everything. (laughs) Right? You already knew that, right? You already knew. (laughs) You know everything. All right? Now, I don't know about you, but the one thing that I hate. About getting older, right I'm getting older and the one that you know, as a matter of fact, you know is this 10 year challenge thing? is that over yet, okay? I mean th- here's some pictures here. This is amazing. I don't know how you guys look better and younger ten years later. me, I'm older and cricketier and fatter, but you guys look, look so much, so much more better. Look at, look at the next slide here. we got uh, again, James Bond hasn't aged in years, right. Pastor Joe, Joe you're just like leading worship. You, that's dog ears, bro. That's not 10 years. You can't tell me that's 10 years. Pastor Trent just as creepy as ever. Anyways, but <laughs> anyways, uh, actually, did you see this? This is my favorite 10 year challenge that I saw. Uh, this is this is before kids. 10 years ago, I had $10,000 in surplus. Now, a uh, oh, poor guy. Anyways, okay. Anyways, anyways, one of the things I hate most, let's get back to the topic here. One of the things that I hate most about getting older, right? besides losing any and every evidence of metabolism, uh, one of the things I hate about getting older is the sort of stinking thinking, it's a very theological term I call, it, stinking thinking, all right? that creeps in and says, meh, nah, been there, I've done that. Whatever, I know all about that. Come on, man. I know it all, I've seen it all. You know what I'm talking about, right? As you get older, sometimes you you fall into that way of thinking, right? Stinking thinking like, whatever, dude, right? You know what I'm talking about? Friends, if you've lost all hints of wonder in your life, if nothing is mysterious or amazing, or awe-inspiring to you anymore, right? Or, or maybe, maybe you're like this, right? If, if somewhere along the line, as you got older, you stopped asking good questions, and somehow you're like miraculously always the one in the room with the right answers, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, if that's you, you are way more cynical than you realize. Does that make sense? This is convicting, right? So we'll move on to number two. The second sign that you may be more cynical than you realize is this. Your past haunts your future. Your past haunts your future. You could even say your past haunts your future and your present, right? Now let me ask you a personal question. You don't have to raise your hands or anything like that, uh, but let me ask you here. You ever been flat out Dumped? I'm just talking about like totally just dumped. And then what do you do? Then, then like you, you like swear off everyone of that gender, right? Until thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Or maybe 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 you're this person, maybe maybe you have a new boss, right? And you are like so positive right? You, you're, like, you're willing to bet your life that this new boss, that she's going she's gonna to be unfair and, and just as incompetent as your old boss. So you know what? You never even give her a chance. You know what I'm talking about, right? See, if your past hurts, are always haunting your future possibilities, if your past hurts are always affecting your present day decisions and emotions and feelings, if your past hurts are always speaking into these things, then guess what? You are more cynical than you realize, right? Third and last thing is this. You may be cynical if, number three, You no longer trust, hope, or believe. You no longer trust. You no longer hope. You no longer believe. Nothing gets you excited. Nothing gives you hope, a glimmer of joy. You're just like, you're done, you're done, right? Right? Uh, I've got this little uh, wooden sign. I actually brought it with me. It's from home. Uh, I don't know if you can see this. This little little wooden, wooden sign, it has a quote on it. And, and the quote says, some people die at 25 and aren't buried until 75. <laughs> see that? Some people die at 25 and aren't buried until 75. And I just... I tell you what, I just love this quote. It's in my study at home on on a bookshelf. I brought it with me today, and I just, I stare at it. I I force myself, I put it in line of my sight every single day because, I know, you're like, Pastor, why don't you have any Bible? I have Bible verses too, okay? We're not talking about that right now. Don't be cynical, okay? So anyways, I have this this quote in front of me every day. Why? Because it reminds me every single day, hey, Tom, hey, Tom, be alive. Be present. Don't be so jaded. You don't know everything, okay? It reminds me, hey, Tom, hey, Tom, are you happy? Well, then tell your face, okay? Tom, you're not feeling good today? Well, that's okay. You don't have to bury yourself. Don't ignore it. See, cynicism, this is a message against cynicism. Cynicism closes your heart. Does that make sense? Cynicism actually closes your heart. And when your heart is closed, guess what happens? When, you, when your heart is closed, you distance yourself from God. And so you distance yourself. From others as well. Cynicism closes your heart, and when your heart is closed, you distance yourself from God and you distance yourself from others. It's burying yourself alive. That's what cynicism does. Cynicism buries you alive. You know, early this week, someone on staff actually said to me, he said, You know, it's so funny. So many times we complain that it never rains, right? You know where this is going, right? Think of this week. Think of this past week. So many times we complain it never rains. And then when it does finally rain, what happens? We complain that it's raining, right? Exactly. That's exactly what happens. Or how about this? Uh, a friend was sharing with me uh, recently, they were describing their work atmosphere, their work environment, and he was, when, when he told me, when he shared this with me a few weeks ago, he was sharing how, oh my gosh, you know, Pastor Tom, it's, my work situation is so crazy. I mean, you, you, you wouldn't even understand. There's, there's like so many things need to change. Everything needs to change. We just need to like blow the whole thing up and we need to start all over again. So many things need to change and it's been happening so long, but we're never gonna do anything about it. It's just everything needs to change. Well, you know what happened in recent weeks? (laughs) A new leadership team came in. And what did they start doing? They started changing some things here and there, fixing some things. And now, do you know what his most recent complaint is? Oh my gosh, they're changing so many things, right? It's true, right? I mean, you, you can just see it, right? You hear yourselves, right? See, here's the thing, guys. If you can never be happy, okay? If you can never be happy, if you can never trust anything or anybody, if, you, if you've lost all hope or, or belief in anything good, then you are more cynical, and I say this very lovingly, more miserable then you need to be. If you've lost all trust, all hope, all belief, okay, all happiness, then you are more cynical and more miserable than God wants you to be. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at that list of three things, you know what happens to me? I start to realize, oh my gosh, I may be a pastor, I may be a a follower of Jesus, but you know something? I am a lot more cynical than I thought. I have blind spots. That's what I realize as I look at that list, as I do some honest self-reflection. And again, I don't know about you, but I feel like life is already hard enough as it is, okay? Yeah, I believe in Jesus, and when I die, I will be in glory, that instant. I will be in glory, and all my tears, all my fears, they'll be wiped away, and everything's okay, but you know what? Until then, I live on this side of eternity. I live on this side of the cross, and even though my sins are forgiven, and all is good in the future, right now, I still live in a broken world. If you think you live in a broken world, say amen. Amen, I, I, do too. I live in a broken world, okay? And I don't know about you, But in this broken world, I'm actually not trying to do more evil. (laughs) Does that make sense? I already live in a broken world as it is. I don't need to try and do more evil. I already live in a broken world as it is. I'm not trying to understand less of God's will. Does that make sense? I I live in a broken world. I have so many blind spots. I'm actually not trying to to understand God's will less or to fall into more hardship because of my own stiff-neckedness, okay? Because of my own hardened heart. I'm not trying to fall into those things more and more. Are you? I don't think so. So then the question becomes, why on earth would we choose to be cynical? Why on earth would we choose then to go on this way? Because I think there's some sort of sick, perverse way of thinking sometimes when we go to these dark places where we think, ah, yeah, we think it's actually a sign of wisdom or we think it's actually a sign of savviness or maturity or some sort of worldly badge of honor when we're cynical. What I'm trying to show you, what I'm trying to shed light on today is that's not the truth at all, you know? And so why would we choose to be cynical? Well, here again, Carey provides some great insight in his book, and he says this. There's a line in there where he says, cynicism begins not because you don't care, but because you do care. In other words, you became cynical once upon a time because you cared because you actually cared. But then what happened? Then you got hurt badly. And ever since that moment, you made a subconscious, some of you are conscious, but you made a subconscious decision. You know what? That's never going to happen again. You cared about something, you got hurt, and so you made a decision, subconscious or unconscious or, or consciously, and you said, no, 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 that's never going to happen again. I am in defense mode. I'm in self-preservation mode. I, I, I'm, I've got my dukes up. I am guarded now. And so now all of a sudden, that person who dumped you, yeah, yeah, you know, what? honestly, that was cold-blooded. He shouldn't, she shouldn't have done that right? It completely shattered your heart. No wonder why you can't trust anyone since then. I don't blame you. Nobody blames you for that. I totally get it. or, Or the way that your former boss treated you. I mean, some of you had told me some horror stories and it's absolutely toxic. Some of your work environments are absolutely toxic. I heard some stories that are borderline criminal. And so, of course, of course, you don't trust everything. Of course, you don't go in with these rosy glasses, Pollyanna all the time, and just think that everything's okay. And no one would blame you for that. Who could blame you for that? I, I think of it like this cynicism is born out of care, not callous. You can jot that down. Cynicism is born out of care. Not callous. So I'm not coming to you right now with a judge's hammer judging you for your cynicism. I, I, I shared with you, I, I'm, I'm a, I can be a very cynical person. That's like in my DNA. I, so I get, but it's important to understand that cynicism originates from care, not callous. And so the key, if you're jotting this down, you need to jot this part down. The key then is this no matter how cynical you have become about your job, about your marriage, about your finances, about your relationships, maybe about religion, maybe about church, no matter how cynical you may have become, maybe even about life, if you can remember that whatever it is you're cynical about actually comes from a place of care, not callous, if you can remember that, then you are one step closer to the heart of God. And then you are one step closer to making yourself available to see things as God sees them, and receive things as God wants you to receive them. You know, two summers ago, and share a little story here. Two summers ago, I was um, away on a short-term missions trip uh, with a small uh, team of of guys. Uh, We went to Rwanda, actually. Okay, and actually, I don't know if we, oh yeah, we got this. Oh, there. You see, there's Pastor Trent to my left. He looks normal there. He doesn't look creepy. Okay, so anyways, all right. And so we we were on this trip together uh, in Rwanda, and you know what? Uh, I was actually just talking to him uh, about it yesterday. We will never forget this one day that we were there. I mean, I mean, the whole trip was amazing, but this one day that we were there, I mean, just imagine, right? We are in this country, amidst a people who uh, recently had gone through a, a complete genocide, right? In, in the early 90s, mid 90s, 1994, right? So just complete civil war, upheaval, okay? Uh, and uh, it's a country of abject poverty in a lot of ways, especially in a lot of sections, right? And they have none of the creature comforts that we have, right? I mean, I know like, like last week it was cold. And maybe like we're here, we're worshiping, and we're suffering for Jesus, yes right and this week maybe it's warm and and you know what what's going to happen in august it's going to be really hot in here and we're suffering for jesus right for like for like an hour right but these people like it it like doesn't turn off in an hour you know what I'm, like that they live in abject poverty okay and, uh, and this one day that we were there, it was actually a Sunday. We were visiting like three or four churches that day. And one of the churches that we, that we visited, it, it was amazing because I noticed like right away that the, in this church, it was, uh, it, it, was, it was large by their standards, small by our standards, so maybe maybe like a, a dozen or so people. But what was interesting about this particular church was it was in the countryside. It was in the probably the most uh, impoverished uh, area of Rwanda that we had been uh, at that time, so it was, it was it was kind of the most abject poverty just kind of screaming at you, uh, but everyone in that church, a dozen or so people, they were all around the same age, right? In other churches that we had visited, it was kind of like us right here, right now, like all different ages, but in this, they were all like in their 20s and like max, like early 30s, right? And so I asked someone, and it turns out the reason why they were all the same age was this. Everyone in that church back in 1994 was an an abandoned child, was orphaned because of the Civil War. And now, somehow by God's grace, they had miraculously grown into these adults, okay, And so, like, they know a type of pain and suffering that, Lord willing, you and I will never have to face, right? Let's just be honest, right? Chances are, you and I will never face, and Lord willing, our children will never face the kind of hardships that, think about just being a four-year-old kid, being abandoned from your mother and father, your siblings, Growing up by yourself, I don't know how you've made it now, 20, 25 years later. And so these people in abject poverty, all they had was Jesus. Does that make sense? That's all they had. And you know what? They were satisfied, they were wealthy. And so here we are, you know, Pastor Trent, myself, a couple other guys, and we're like these Americans, you know, and we're going to come in and we're going to do leadership training. We're going to teach you how to be a good Christian leader. We've got a workshop here. I've got slides. And we're standing on this holy ground amongst the people who love Jesus. They... Their hearts are not hard, and I remember just in the middle of service, the, the guy that was leading worship, <clears throat> he, he he just he just kind of like spontaneous. He, they don't have they don't have sound checks. They don't have you know they don't have run sheets, right? They don't have any of this stuff that we have here. Okay, they don't have lights. Okay, and and, and he's leading worship with his little acoustic guitar, out of tune, all that stuff. And he invites us all to just get on our knees. And it's not like this astroturf here. It's not this carpeted stage. It is dirt. It is red dirt. And he asks us all to get on our knees. And then he's singing. You know what song he us? He actually led us in that same song that we just sang a few minutes ago. What a beautiful name. And so can you just imagine, we're just just there, and it's just about two, three dozen of us, and we're just, what a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. Friends, there was not a single ounce of cynicism in that room at that moment. See, friends, the insidious thing about blind spots is that you do not see them. You do not see your blind spots. And at that moment, for me, as a full-time pastor, nearly 20 years at that point, okay? Confession here, I was absolutely blind to how cynical I had somehow become about ministry, about serving, about the gospel, about the church. (laughs) blind until I began to worship with a people whose eyes were wide open to Jesus Christ. And that, my friends, that is what I pray New Story Church would be for you. A place and an environment where somehow you can come as you are, but your eyes are made wide open to Jesus. Amen? Friends, is cynicism is cynicism in your blind spot today. Do not let it wreck you. You know, later that same day in Rwanda, this is the last part, I'm going to invite the band, you you guys can come back up. That same day in Rwanda, our team was out and about, and uh, I didn't even realize it, but we were actually, our, our mission team, we were actually standing right in front of the Hotel Rwanda. I didn't even know it at the time. Some of you, you, you know, this academy uh, nominated, I think, three academies or whatever, uh, award-winning movie, The Hotel Rwanda. For those of you that may not know, it's, it was the same one in the movie. Uh, basically, uh, during that uh, 1994 genocide, uh, this property, this, 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 this piece of property, this hotel, uh, served as a sort of safe house, right? It served as a safe house for hundreds of very, very fortunate Hutus and Tutsis while a million, literally over a million of their own flesh and blood brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers, while a million of them were literally being slaughtered, okay, over the course of 100 days. So if you do the math, that's about 10,000 people dying per day, hand-to-hand combat for 100 days. That's one person slaughtered for every seven seconds, For a hundred days, nonstop. And you know, we we were standing there in front of the hotel, and I'm I'm talking to my friend, and I'm talking, and and I'm looking down at his feet, and I see, I see this little rock, right? And it's just, struck. he was standing on a pile of rocks, but I see this little rock, and it just looked like a normal rock, okay? Just, and I have it in my hand, I brought it with me, I stole from Ruan, I didn't claim it during customs, don't tell anybody, okay? And so... It looked like a normal rock, but you know what? It looks like a normal rock, but the angle that I saw it at his feet, I don't know why, it just popped out at me. It was the shape of a heart. From any other angle, it just looks like a regular rock, but the position and the angle and the, just the way that I, it looked like a heart, a heart of stone. And mind you, just a few hours earlier, We were in that place, on the dirt, worshiping God in a holy grounds amongst the people who just had eyes for him. And and this verse came to mind, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove what? I will remove what? Heart of stone. I will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Some of you need to hear me this morning. You need to allow God to remove the heart of stone you walked in with this morning and give you a heart of flesh. I don't know what kind of hurt put you in that place. I don't know what kind of hardship or pain calcified your heart, hardened your heart so much that now you're walking around with this piece of lead in you. And it doesn't allow you to hope and it doesn't allow you to dream and it doesn't allow you to have joy and it doesn't allow you to to think ahead and all you, you've become this grumpy old person. And God says, I want to take that heart of stone. Give me that heart of stone. Give it, I see it, I see it. Give me that heart of stone. Let me give you a heart of flesh. Friends, the word of God says today, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Do you hear his voice now? Do you hear the voice, not look past my voice. Do you hear the voice of God saying to you, today if you hear his voice, Do not harden your hearts. Do you know that you have control over your heart? I don't have control over your heart, and you don't have control over my heart. The person sitting next to you doesn't have control. Your spouse doesn't have control over your heart. Your boss doesn't have control over your heart. God's word doesn't say, today if you hear his voice, tell your boss not to harden your heart. It doesn't say, tell your spouse, quit hardening my heart. It says, you, you, Do not harden your heart. The impetus is on you. The responsibility is on you if you're hearing the word of God. If you're not hearing the word of God, guess what? You're free. But today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Do not be cynical. Understand that it comes from a place of care and that is your first step towards all God has for you, amen? You know, for this last song, as we bring to God our tithes and our offerings, I've asked the band to lead us in, I'm calling it an old classic. I think it's like five years old, (laughs) right? But I'm calling it an old classic song, right? And it gets right to the heart of what we've been talking about here, okay? So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray, and then we'll give to God our tithes and offerings. We'll present to God our tithes and offerings. And then we'll receive his blessings as we sing. Sound good? Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just, I want to pray a prayer covering right now for every single man, woman, and child within the sound of my voice and even those watching online. Lord, I don't know what kind of heart we came in with today. I don't know what kind of heart we have towards others towards you, towards the circumstances of life right now. I think about all these teachers that are on strike. I think about our government uh, shutdown. I I think about the hardships of of just mom and dad scraping by, just trying to make a living and just trying to raise their kids right. God, there's just so many areas of our lives where there can be hurt and where there can be callous. So I pray in the name of Jesus right now that the Holy Spirit would attack our hearts in love and grace. Maybe there's someone here right now that is so cynical about church. Maybe there's someone here right now that's so cynical about their marriage, like they've given up hope. Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of his blood, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I rebuke that lie in the name of Jesus. I rebuke that lie. And I ask, Father, that you would help us to not harden our hearts if we've heard your voice today. Friends, I'm going to ask you right now, if you've heard God's voice today, go ahead and raise your hand. I want to pray for you right now. If you've heard God's voice today, raise it up. No one else is looking. Raise up your hand if you've heard God's voice today. Father, I pray for every single, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. I pray for every single man and woman right now whose hearts are open to you. They've heard your voice, not my voice, not the voice of anyone else. Keep them up, keep the hands up. I pray, Father, that you would, every hand that is raised, Lord, every hand that is raised, every man, woman, and child, Lord, that you would bless them, that you would touch them, that you would help them as they receive your word. God, that you would help them to not harden their hearts soften their hearts the heart of stone that I found on the ground in Rwanda Lord I pray pray that that would represent our stone hearts that we now give back to you and receive a heart of flesh in the name of Jesus you can put your hands down Father we thank you Lord thank you for your blessing thank you for your goodness receive now our tithes and our offerings for your glory